The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. streets and the pavements are burning. I sit around trying to smile, but the air is so heavy and dry. Strange voices are saying, what did they say? Things I can't understand. It's too close for comfort. The heat has got right out of hand. The city is crowded. My friends are away and I'm on my own. It's too hot to handle. So I got to get up and go. Welcome listeners and fellow travelers of the world. Greetings from Lovecraft Country, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Tuesday, October 6, 2020, and I am your host and tour guide, Derek Anthony. As we travel through Lovecraft Country, we're going to explore and dissect the latest episode of the HBO series. Please welcome my co-host, Jeffrey Anaruz. Welcome back, fellow travelers. Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. And Vanetta Berry. Hello, everyone. Let me open the guidebook so that we can explore season one, episode eight, which was titled Jigabobo and aired October 4th, 2020. Here's the official travel diary of our itinerary. Art becomes the stuff of nightmares for comic book artist D. And after running away from a heartbreaking funeral for her friend Bobo, a.k.a. Emmett Till, Dee is accosted by the Sons of Adam leader, Captain Lamp. He casts a spell on her, and soon Dee is stalked by two terrifying twin girls who appear to spring straight from a novel cover. What was everyone's initial reaction to the episode? Let's start with Priscilla. My God, this episode brought all the chills and thrills that October brings with that troll doll Topsy and Bobsy. Oh, my God. And with the horror that Tick brought up and with the horrors of ex-girlfriends coming back from the war to meet your current girlfriends and just so much drama. It was everything. This is a great episode. I loved it. <laughs> All right, Vanetta, how about you? What was your initial reaction? I had a hard time with this episode. Um, the The shock of them bringing the Emmett Till story in, even though we had a feeling we've been talking about it for a while, the shock of that being in the piece put me at a... It made me feel... It made me really vulnerable to the freaky horror of the um, Uncle Tom's cabin Jigaboo characters following her Um, and it scared the shit out of me. Um, Two nights sleepless. Um, I may not have as much to say because I didn't get a chance to watch it again because I'm not going to watch it again. Not going to do it. So that happened. Jeffrey, 
props to Misha Green, her directorial debut. Uh, fantastic job. What a, a stellar episode. It was very suspenseful for me. Not as much the scary stuff because I didn't really find them scary. I do like horror and I watch a lot. And, and so that sort of is, is a reason why. But uh, visually impressive. Very uh, uh, stunning. Uh, I thought everybody was on point. A couple of surprises for me. Uh, the, the little twists and turns uh, were really good. Montrose, you just know how to fuck shit up without even knowing that you're fucking shit up. <laughs> we're going to get to that much later. And two words that I just, I never thought I would ever see in a horror type of production. But it makes so much sense. Not two words that were in the episode, but but two words that 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 you know you combine them together, and I just never thought I would see it. Demonic pickaninnies. Like I just I I never thought of it. And I read Misha Green's, um, what's the word? Um, she answered somebody on Twitter. Like, why did you pick them? And her answer was brilliant. And I won't say it now. Scary as hell. Well, well, not because of that. That wasn't her reason. <laughs> That's why I, I thought. There's, well, scary. well, I guess I'll say it now. She said because you know the history of of you know these horrible stereotypes and caricatures are so disgusting and 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 horrific by themselves. You know why not use that to show the horror in this episode? And I was like, "That's just brilliant." brilliant using real life history as as horror because the, the horror i mean the the real life was so horrific i have um i have seen a number of um a number of people reference the uh the the two topsy and eva something from the whiz oh which is ironic mm-hmm. that um this bothers Vanetta because that scene in the whiz has always bothered Yep, and it bothered me too. So that was a scene we used to have to fast forward through. And I think that's yeah. probably why it it bothered me so much more um, because of that. So yeah. Derek, yeah, what that, about you? Um, but I did enjoy the episode. Um, I did watch some of it, you know, through, through my fingers because I knew they were going to be jump scares and such. Um, it was disturbing. It was, it was, this for me was probably the most horrific as far as suspense episode. Yeah. You know, we've had one that was horrific because it had a lot of blood and gore and stuff in it. Um, but yeah, this was, this was just the suspense that we will, um, we will get into. But before we start our journey through Lovecraft Country... Here's an announcer with a few special announcements. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts, 
and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Okay, so I want to save the D story for last. I want to talk about everybody else because this was clearly D's week. And props to, what's the actress's name? Jada Smith? Is that her name? Um, she did a fantastic job. Um, but we had some other things happen in between. Um, so let's go to Priscilla, since she brought it up, and talk about um, Gia. Jada Harris. I just wanted to get her name, Jada Harris. Thank you, Jada Harris. You're welcome. Uh, Gia, showing up at Letty's house. <laughs> I was laughing the entire time it was, it was going on. Oh, my God. Hello, it was so heard. juicy. And Tick was such a little bastard about it too. He couldn't he couldn't man up and say I made a mistake or like take Letty aside and say, Hey, you're probably gonna hear some things you you didn't you don't really wanna hear, but I promise I I wasn't trying to keep anything from you. I just didn't know how to tell you this. Like he could have manned up or said something, but he just he didn't. He acted like a little bitch about it and because of that everything just came out in the most horrible way possible and he managed to both to make Gia feel like shit by saying what we had was a lie get go go the fuck away even though like all she's trying to do is help him and managed to be driven away by Letty too so i don't know like it's it's it was just chock full of drama I felt like I was watching I don't know some real world antics or something I don't know it was it was great I loved it Tick is I'm gonna come back to Tick did anyone else have any feels for the for that meeting it was good it was good it was good when she walked in looking for D and there was that person in the back and I kept on squinting and looking and I was like, oh shit. And it was good. <laughs> Although I felt for her uh, big time. I, I felt for both. Of, I felt for, for the women more than Tick. Like I felt for, uh, for Letty because clearly she was under the impression of something. And uh, and then she got a whole lot of information, which Tick did not provide at all, even after, as she rightfully said, you know, we've seen magic, we've seen creatures, we've seen this, that, or the other, and you couldn't tell me this? Like, how is this, you know, a, a huge leap from what we've already experienced? So there was that. But then Gia, I really felt for her because it seemed as if she was doing things in... It, it, like for the right reasons, because, you know, all they're having are little, you know, um, 10 seconds, like really expensive, long distance phone calls. And so she, uh, I don't know if air travel was cheap back then, but I would assume it costs a little bit of money. So she, she travels. I'm still trying to figure out how they could afford the phone call. I know. It's not like calling Murray Hill 5099. I mean, you know, but she may, she traveled though. She traveled all this way. To 
to tr- you know because she still cares for the guy even after everything and and she's trying to help and he was just so cold towards her and i understand that he knows more and we're going to get into what he knows but she's just trying to help and uh and the way that he just sort of like denigrates her and like we were nothing and i'm like come on dude and like my thinking is she's a supernatural creature do you really want to piss her off Uh, i saw it a little Mm. bit differently um yes he called her he asked how she knew um and then she just said i told you you shouldn't have gone so there was nothing in that conversation that said, hey, I'm probably going to go ahead and show up. I think her timing was awful because Bobo had just died. Mm-hmm. They lost Diana. And they're still trying to figure out what happened to Hippolyta. Um, just so much is happening in that day. I think... Had she called and said, hey, I'm on my way, or, you know, if they had, if there had been a, a better preparation, he might have responded differently. He does not, we already know, he does not respond well to, um, he, he's not very mature. He, he doesn't have a lot of emotional intelligence as far as how to deal with ladies. We've already seen that um, in other or, parts of the storyline. Or trauma. Or trauma, especially. And the way I saw it is he did not want, he didn't want Letty at any point to think that he had invited her there or that she, um, that he, he wanted to be back with her. It came out in a very harsh way. I don't condone the way he said it, but I think that that's why he said it in the way he did. And why he was just like, I just needed to, you know, make sure you, you know, like, um, I, I need you to know that that's not happening. Like we, you are like, we weren't, it was not with that. It was not as important to me as it, as you think it was. I think he just kind of felt the need to over say it to make sure that Letty felt good about it. Um, but I really, I do feel for Gia. I hope that she didn't just like, okay, bye. I hope that she stays around so that they could have a calmer conversation when it's not in the heat of something crazy. Um, that would be nice so that she can, we can hear more of what, why she has showed up because she had to show up to have a plan. She didn't just show up out of the blue and just be like, Hey, I told you like, I don't, I don't think that was her goal. And I, I really do hope that we get to hear more of what her goal was. Yeah, I, um, I agree with you. I think that her timing was horrible because that was just a really emotional day. And that was just one more thing on a, on a shit cake. <laughs> Basically. So let's check in on the other sister, Ruby. Here's my Told ya. Here's my question. Why throughout history, why can't white people mind their own business? She walks up to the gate. She clearly has a key. What business is it of yours if she's the maid or not? She got a key, so she belonged there. Are you the neighborhood watch? 
what's happening. Anyway, um, Ruby had a very big, um, Ruby had a couple of very big emotional things, but uh-huh. I know one thing Jeffrey would like to talk about because, you know, that's who Jeffrey is. Jeffrey, let's talk about the sex. Oh, uh, you saw my Facebook post, didn't you? I did not, actually. Oh, okay. I know you that well. Oh, yes, you do know me. Um, oddly enough, for uh, the sex, I, I, I really loved her scene with Christina. But, um, so, uh, yeah. But, um, okay, the sex. The sex. All right, uh, what is it that I posted on Facebook? It was something like, and I thought True Blood had weird sex scenes. Because remember that scene where Bill flips the lady's head backwards? <laughs> I didn't like that lady, so that's why I'm not calling her by her name. I never liked that character. But she he turned that lady's head around. And I was like, well, that's an interesting way to show sex <laughs> on TV. And so then we have this sex scene, which was the one of the weirdest, goriest, weirdest, weirdest sex scenes I've ever seen in my life. Yet it was kind of hot. So I'm strange. Um, so we see Ruby. She takes the potion. She turns into... Uh, oh, gosh. Now, what is her white lady name? Tiffany? Hillary. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. She turns into Hillary, uh, having sex with William. And then they must have had sex for, you know, time flies. And all what I'm thinking, they must have had sex for a really long time because that potion did not last long. Yeah. So that means there was they were doing a lot. And the potion wears off and it's like sex with body horror and intense sex and with blood and guts. And I will give huge props. Number one, once again, to Misha Green, because this is her directorial debut, and she's directing an incredibly complex and visually complicated scene because of all of the VFX, the makeup, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I still have no idea how they did some of that, because just visually, it was so weird and impressive. I mean, there was at one point where, like, basically all of Ruby had popped out except for, like, half of Dell's face. And I yeah. was like, is that CGI? Is that, like, skin stuff? Like, is that... I Like, I was so confused just by the VFX of it all. But that made it so impressive. It was a hella strange scene. Um, the, the explanation w- was, uh, was, was good for Ruby, but, uh, but as far as just that scene alone, it was something out of this world. Indeed. And of course, you know, I always wanted to think like, who's going to clean all that up? I know. That's what I still wonder. They wondering. have an actual maid. They have an actual maid. There you go. Because it's like, does it disintegrate, like, at some point, just, like, disappears? Like, what? Where where does all that go? Although, I will say, and uh, maybe this is a testament to sort of, like, what was hinted at before, it seems like her transformation into Hillary was much more smooth this time. It, it did not take as much, like, it, it seems like her breaking out of Hillary exerts a lot more, um, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but it, it well, the way it's been shown, the way it's been guts? shown, <laughs> you, you, you 
forth into the other person. And then you break out of the shell of the other person when you are reverting back to yourself. Oh, okay. Because I thought... Yeah, that is true. I'm trying to remember back. Yeah, because I thought we saw her take the potion and... When Christina turned into William and came outside and whipped the cops' ass back in episode five, I think, um, she got out the car, walked around the corner, and came back around a minute later. Yes, but that the is first true. Time we see her, first time we see William turn into her, it's a whole bloody mess. Yeah, that is true. And the same thing is for Ruby. When Ru- when Ruby is emerging, it's always, you know, the first time she had to be ripped out. And every time after that, it was just messy and lots of leavings. Yeah. They got a large bill for Windex and Pine Saw. That's the power of Pine Saw, baby. Yeah. So since we're on Ruby, we can also talk about, because I since you want to do this, talk about the conversation she had with Christina in the parlor, with everybody looking like a fashion fair model. Yeah. Gorgeous. The set, costuming, the makeup, everything. I thought that was one of the realest, realest conversations I've ever seen on TV Period. That's the type of conversation that I that I feel like my black and brown brothers and sisters have tried to have with white people that just don't understand why black lives matter. And it was like she was talking in the year 1954. She could have been talking in the year 2020. Like it was an incredibly powerful scene. It was so eloquently written and it's like she was speaking for not just herself but for the black community and I was moved like I cried she brought me to tears because it was just so powerful and so fucking real yeah I really don't have much to add to that just because it's true I remember I was watching that scene and I was just kind of like when she said that, I just, my my hands clapped, and I was like, yes, yes, she did the damn thing. Like, she, she said it. She said what everyone was thinking. And I remember right afterwards when Christina, like, made her feel so small afterwards, I was just kind of like, you bitch. The fuck did you say that for? Like, ah, uh, like, I don't know. It's just. To, to to have such a powerful moving statement and then to have her be made to feel so small all because of magic it almost feels like it's not even worth it, it like it wasn't even worth it to go through like that relationship or that moment with you do you mm. think that why does um oh. why does Priscilla think that she was that Christina saying what she said was designed to make Ruby feel small I think it was probably because Christina felt bad or that Christina felt bad for not feeling anything at all. So she, she, so she just kind of like turned it around and like, was like, no, you, you just feel bad about wanting all of this magic and using it for your own means. You, You like she, she used it 
to to make her feel bad about wanting magic and using magic instead of the purpose of why she used magic. And I don't know, like I, ah, God, I just, I hate Christina for making her feel that way. The, that gaze afterwards that Wunmi had was just so hurt. I guess I heard it uh, entirely different. When, when Ruby tells her, you know, I, I need you to feel these things. I need you to understand how hurt I am, how angry I am, how, how sad I am. Like, um, all of these emotions that I'm feeling right now, I need you to feel this. And Christina says, like, well, I don't. And I don't think that's why you're mad. I think you're mad because you you feel you think you should feel all these things, but you should no, she says, I think you you feel mad because because of all those things and you still want what you want. And what I heard from that was Christina pointed out something that black women struggle with, which is feeling upset about the world, feeling helpless and upset and angry and pissed and also still wanting to go to Macy's still wanting to have nice things still wanting to live in nice neighborhoods even though you know living in a nice neighborhood is going to put you at risk of dealing with more bullshit with cops and 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 other stuff so what i heard from christina was like yes all of that is bad but you feel guilty about still wanting what you want yes she framed it in this in the terms of magic but universally that is something that black women struggle with i feel upset that trayvon martin got killed and yet i still want to be able to let my kid wear a hoodie you know like i like it's there's anger and then there's like still wanting to to feel normal and to to have this other thing and so what what Christina offers Ruby is this opportunity to, even though she's this angry, she still can escape and be normal and feel um, valued in a world that doesn't value her blackness, doesn't value her womanhood. She thinks she's saying that she felt guilty about that, which she did. And that's why Ruby gave her that, that, that look in the end, um, because she's like, fuck. Yes, I do feel that, and I feel like it, it does. It's not to cancel out all the other emotions that she's feeling. It's just that you feel guilty for having a want that is not part of the struggle, and that's that's something that I personally feel. So that's how I I read that whole scene, and I was just like, "Fuck!" They both are speaking truth to power, even mm-hmm. though we don't really necessarily like. Christina's take on it she was incredibly intuitive and correct and it in my head it put me in a mindset that Christina actually listens to Ruby and cares about Ruby because at first I was like I think she's still trying to use her I think she's still trying to use her in that moment that's when I was like she's really like paying attention to Ruby not just to manipulate this is like she cares about her more than I thought and originally that's what I took from it. I think that um, she confirms. I think Ruby confirms what you're saying, Vanetta, when she has the conversation later on in the dark room with Letty. Mm-hmm. 
where she says, I can't remember exactly what she says, but it's something to the effect of, um, I'm tired excusing myself for being in spaces that are not made for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will tell you one of the other things I took away from that conversation. Um, I saw it very much, and I've had this conversation with several friends before. I took that very much as the conversation of a uh, uh, interracial relationship. Yes. And how if, if you are not a person of color, there are going to be things that I'm going through that you just are not going to ever be able to understand because you're not going to feel the same way about it that I feel. I have to. Um, okay, so let's segue to Christina. She had an interesting week this week. Um, she got to look fabulous. She got her key to the uh, time and space machine. Um, yeah, I'm still not I, I want to get on tick separately, so I'm just going to say she got her key. Um, she got her key. She got a woman. They had that conversation. She made a deal with Letty. And then mm-hmm. she did something really, really interesting and disturbing. Um, how did everybody feel about Christina making the deal with the two guys to basically... As Emmett Till was treated. All right. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, well, I was fifty percent right. <laughs> I didn't want to be right. Uh, okay. It was her trying. It, this was clearly the result of her conversation with Ruby. Number one. Um. So it, it was. Visually, because I read a whole bunch of comments on it, it's people, some people did not like it at all. Um, but I, I think if they wanted to show the horrors of what happened to Emma Till, and, and I think a lot of people forget, at least those out there that might not be as knowledgeable about it, they, they might not know that it, I mean, they did this to a child. And and so I guess it's better to do it on the white woman than to sort of re-traumatize the black community by showing, in essence, black torture porn, by, by doing it on a black character. Uh, so there was that. But, even the, but some people I read still did not even like seeing it on... Um, like period. Um, I thought her reaction was interesting because I think her reaction was twofold because I also read some people didn't like her reaction. So I think her first reaction initially is like, wow, like this, this is horrific. What happened? I, I feel like in, in the initial moments, she is connecting a bit to, to sort of Ruby's, horror of what happened to Bobo. And then she starts laughing and I think the laughing it then her her thing shifts to where I survived this. And I think that has to deal more to like her story about her quest and longing for immortality. 
I think. That's how I interpreted it. I don't know if y'all did it as well. I know that some people online, they had a big issue with Christina's reaction. Um, both them doing it to Christina and, and Christina's reaction after it happened. I saw it the way you saw it, Jeffrey, that she was trying to connect with what Ruby had told her since since she did she did say, like, I don't get it. You're right. I don't. I, I, I don't think I'll ever see it that way. And that was one but of the most honest like, things a white person has ever said to a black person. Absolutely. I think that's why I really um, appreciated her, her, um, her take, because we did get to hear like a very real reaction. Like I, I'm, I just don't get it at all. But um, yeah, I really do think that the last thing was just about her saying like, yeah, I made it and my invulnerability does work because clearly she was bloody and you know she felt the pain so it wasn't like she didn't feel the pain and she would have died if you know had it not been for her invulnerability but when she first gets out she's that realization of how horrific that um scenario was i think that's what it that's what it was initially and then she was like but my own vulnerability works, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I just kind of got the feeling like she was just like, "Oh, this is awful," but that invulnerability is kicking in. That's how I saw it. Priscilla. Yeah, I saw it the same way too. I just, I just wanted to preface though that it, it feels kind of like surface level. The whole, the whole. I can't understand how Ruby feels, so I'm going to do this to understand how Emmett Till feels, but really, I'm never going to be able to understand because I'm never going to be able to understand how a child would have felt knowing he's about to die, even though I have a spell of invulnerability and I know I'm not going to die from this, like... She's never going to know how Emmett Till felt. And it's very, like, I don't know. It feels almost childish of her to, like, try this, knowing that it's not going to even touch what any of the true suffering that Emmett Till and Ruby are going through really mean. Oh, well, we already established that she has a very... um even though she seems to know a lot of things, she also seems to be very immature in that, you know, when she was playing with those kids, um, she had, you know, being on the farm, you know, she's done a few things that led, it, led us to believe that she has missed out on some maturing aspects of her life. So, yeah, it is pretty immature to think that this is the only way she could um, have empathy but it's also keeping with her character. <laughs> so Yeah, I I agree that um I give you an A for effort, but the truth is you were never going to understand what was happening because you still were never in that position that Emmett Till was in. You knew you would survive this. You had the ability to make it stop at any point. Bobo never had any of that. Um I'm going to, this is one of those times I'm just going to trust the storyteller to just tell the story 
I'm not going to scoff too much. I'm going to believe in the positivity of these Black women telling these Black stories. All right, let's see. Who else have we not talked about before we get to D? Oh! Letitia fucking Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have two more. Letitia Lewis. Okay. Um, She, too, had a very interesting week this week. Um, You know, some some invertibility is always nice to have. I like how the difference, the um, juxtaposition of Letitia realizing that she had the um, that the invulnerability spell worked on her, as opposed to the realization for Christina. Letitia uh, Letty was literally attacked, yeah. real life, really life threatening to realize that the vulnerability. Um, worked for her. Christina paid guys to put her quote-unquote life in danger for her to see if that thing worked. That is scary. It's it's scary on so many levels because considering that this whole piece is about um, Emmett Till and how fragile his life was just at the hint of you know, besmirching a white woman and how just throwaway our lives are and how in order to even think, in order to even put yourself in that position, you had to pay somebody to do it rather than this very real fear that Letty had to endure of, you know, bullets flying in her her house. It's, it's just it's a crazy juxtaposition and I thought it was beautifully done that they would put both of those instances in the same episode yeah did anybody else think that Captain Van Kessel was just going to try to cut a house in half with a hail of bullets yeah that's what he wanted to do I won't say what stopped him but baby when but he, I mean, wait, 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 think that wait. it was going to come to the, I mean I Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought he was going to. He was going to tear that place the fuck up. Because, baby, when he could not walk through that door, he, that face, he was, he was a whole bunch of of emotions. I'll give props to the actor. I don't like the character because he's an evil son of a bitch. But the actor, the look on his face, both of shock, pissed offedness. It was just, it was, it was shock offedness is what it was. Because he had both of those emotions just bathed on his face. It was amazing. Like, I loved it. And that he didn't even know what to say. Because I feel like some on the force, I guess, don't know about the magic. So he just had to tell the man, we're going. And I, oh my God, it was just, I loved it. Yeah, it's always fun to watch them run into that door. Yes. Gia, there was no problem. Some people on the internet yeah. was like, why didn't Gia? And I'm like, well, she's a supernatural creature, but she, I don't think she would have fallen under the category of you needing to be protected from her. Right. I don't think, she was I invited think in, too. That, too. No, um, no. Was she? Yeah, because her shoes were outside. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So they pro- yeah, she probably was like, is, is Takir? Oh, no, come on in and Stick around, yeah. 
but yeah, I think she also did not. Um, I don't think she she posed a danger. Yeah, I think that that's that's what that spell is. It is a spell of protection against someone trying to cause you harm. Exactly. And to rewind a bit, Letty and Ruby, the fact that we we had the conversation that we were waiting for, you know, the shoe to sort of drop last week. We had the conversation about Ruby knowing about magic, about she knowing that Letty knows about magic. Uh, I thought that was a really important conversation. And I, I loved Letty sort of warning Ruby about Christina because, you know, Letty has her own opinion about Christina. Clearly, Ruby has her own opinion as well about Christina based off of the dictation of it all. But, uh, you know, they're different relationships and different levels of trust and this and that or the other. And there was just like layers upon layers upon layers to a simple conversation of I know about magic and I know you know about magic. I was she glad. Oh no, I was just saying that the shoe dropped hard. That was it. Yeah. I was glad that they had that conversation. I was glad that that conversation went as well as it did because it could have really gone sideways. And I'm glad they just, as sisters, they bonded because Ruby is the first person that Letty has told that she is pregnant. She's not the only one that knows. But yeah, I was going to say, ironically enough, Tick is running around again, hiding secrets, holding, holding information back. I know he's a regular Montrose. You think he did the right thing, giving Christina the key? In his mind, yes, because well, he thinks the machine. Do you think? You oh, do I think? think? It was the right thing for him to do. Um, probably not. But to move the story along, yes. <laughs> That's exactly my answer. <laughs> just like you, just to get the ball rolling, I, yes. But would I do it? Hell no. Yeah, because just because the machine is broken, or at least you think it's broken, it doesn't mean that it cannot be fixed. Right. That was my thing. Yeah. You know, you use a wrench and a screwdriver and. You know, you bop it a couple times, and bam, you can time travel again. Or maybe there's another machine somewhere else out there that well, she knows about. Yeah, there are 50 bajillion lodges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what, 32? Yeah. Montrose and Tick had some really good come-together conversation. I was very happy about that. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of healing in that, but I do have a I I I I have one. Well, there's many things that bother me about Tick. One of the larger <laughs> things, and hopefully they'll be able to explain it within the next two episodes, is why Tick is so in his parents' business about their relationship because that didn't have nothing to do with you. You know, yes, your father was a monster. Absolutely. I'm not taking any of that away from you. But the whole, did you ever cheat on her? That ain't none of your business. That ain't got nothing to do with you. Did you physically want for anything that I wasn't there? You know, or am I alone? Well, I would disagree with you. I don't know if everyone else would. I think it's it's a cultural thing because it might be... I don't know, because in the Latino family, like, 
you're very attached to your mom and you're very like did you ever cheat on my mom like as a son to a to 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 your mom or to your dad like of course you you would defend your mother over your father like it's it's just a thing so it didn't seem weird to me at all that he would say that yeah it didn't seem weird to me either it might be a latino thing but also I mean, he's he's a grown ass man now, and he had found out all this stuff about his father. Like, I think they were. I think what he asked. I don't think he did it in a disrespectful way. I think he was still respectful, but he he had all these questions that he needed the answers to, and uh, I I didn't find any of it uh, out of base or completely inappropriate either. I'm I'm with them. Um, I really thought he. He was really respectful. He did not call him out his name, which we heard him say that name last week. And I was so afraid he was going to go there and it would not end well, but he didn't. So I thought that was good. And also, um, I think this gives just another opportunity for Montrose to have come clean about Tick's actual parentage, because that would have been a great time to say, yeah, yeah. So about that. He had two moments. (laughs) Vanetta, he had two moments. And then the second moment, he did the oh shit face. And I was like, and I'm like, is none of this in the book? Like, does he maybe not already know? True, true. Because he did not, um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Because Montrose didn't read the book, but Tick did. Mm hmm. Mm. Hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, so but we did discover some more. I don't think that Montrose would ever come clean about that because I think we learned a whole amount about Montrose in that conversation that he had with Tick about why he married Tick's mother in the first place. It was that whole, we were both looking for family. We were both looking to have family. Yeah. And he considers Tick his son. So I don't know that he would ever tell Tick that there's that George is his father or there's a possibility that George is his father. I I agree completely. And he's dyslexic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, but a d- people, which a lot of people are taking to say, see, that's not his father, but you know, dyslexia doesn't always, you know, this, you don't necessarily pass dyslexia down. Yes, but the gag is you have the dyslexic person reading a spell. He helped him with it a little bit. Yes, no, but the gag, you know, the gag. Like, are we sure he said the right spell? He added a little bit of flavor to it. That's why the demon that came out has extra arms and shit. I know, right? That's it? No, it's just really big. Are we going to talk about that now? Yeah, for sure. Let's let's talk about that because I have a theory. Okay. Well, wait, we even skipped. Uh, the book is written by Tick's son. That's, yes. yes. George Freeman. Which yes. I said last week, but I thought it was Uncle George, not Son George. Correct. Same here. So that means he went into the future. So that means 1950s. He maybe was in the 90s, 2000s? Because he was talking about white, white people are angry. White people were rioting. Maybe oh, maybe 2020? Maybe, maybe it's January 2020. 2020, maybe. Not necessarily. Oh, no, Tea Party. Right? 
I thought he just anymore. said that black people were rioting and pe- black people were still angry. I thought he said white people. Yeah, I thought he said white people too. Oh, okay. Because no, because Tea Party, the Tea Party as well, he could have landed in that portion of time. True. Yeah. And he wasn't there very long because the woman with the robotic arm came up and gave him the book and shoved him back. Yeah. Shoved him back through. The woman with the robotic arm. Yeah. Did Beyonce have robotic arms? No, right? It's not Beyonce. Oh, okay. Maybe it was just Beyonce. No, she doesn't have a robotic arm either. The what? The woman? What did y'all think of the woman with the robotic arm? I couldn't figure uh, out who that could be. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Has anybody lost an arm that could have been replaced with robotics? But not yet. Not 1950s. Yeah. I love that you're like the world was a little different. It's not Beyonce. Um, just from which we'll get into, just from looking at the previews of next week. Um, you know, could it have been D? Oh. She doesn't exist in that timeline. No, it's not that she doesn't exist. It's she that does. no, no, no. It isn't the timeline. It says he said that the book, much like you know, when anybody writes a book about their lives, you know, they take liberties with stuff. What he was actually quoting, I mean, and I guess I'll go into this now, is the actual Lovecraft Country book. Because yeah, as, as I referenced I in the past... Yeah, I, I thought about you. Yeah, because I referenced in the past that Christina is a man in the Lovecraft Country book. And uh, and uh, D, Diana, is, is cousin Horace. So that is the actual book. Um, yeah, uh, this whole story... Uh, well, we haven't gotten into it, so I'll I'll wait till we talk about D. But um, but yeah, when he referenced, that, I was like, oh, he's actually referencing. It is, it's like ridiculously meta because he's referencing the actual Lovecraft Country book. I, I thought that was so. Uh, it was nice. It was a nice little wink. But if we know that these are alternate universes, because Hippolyta went to alternate universes. True, that could be then, an alternate if, future. If he could have gone to an alternate future where he didn't take any liberties and wrote the book exactly as. It happened. That is true. That's what I took it as. I hope they explain that. Like, I hope, I would love a little glimpse into what he saw. I don't know if we'll ever get that. Maybe in season two. Although with this episode, I, there's something in me that I was like, this is going to be a one season series. They do seem to be trying to answer most of the questions um, that they've put out there. Um, okay, so let's go to the spell. Because, again, it's something I want to bring up at some point. So, uh, Montrose and Tick do a spell of protection. And they aren't sure it works until Tick gets to Letty's house. And the cops decide to shoot him for no reason. Because his hands are up. And then... I can't tell you how excited I was to see that showgirl. Like, get get on over there and kill them people. Because, yeah, that's what you're here for. That was a roided up... Roided up sh- Shoggoth. And did it... Am I correct in saying that it killed Frankenstein cop? Yes. I had to go back and look. Yes. It tore his arm off. Oh, he'll be stitched uh, back together. But I think it yeah. his head off, too. Oh, he'll be stitched back together. I thought he was the cop that was tossed aside. That was like, ah. Oh, he'll be stitched back together. He was the one that said, he was the one that when the arm got torn off, he shot the uh, gas tank in the car, which made the car. Explode. Oh, he'll be stitched back together. 
All of them are dead except for Frankencaster. Oh, he's not dead. No, I'm saying I don't. I I, I don't know what the hell he is, but okay, he so, he will be stitched so back just, together. So just just so just for the record, because I had to see him queued up. The Shogoth did bite his arm off, but he did leave the head intact, so he could still be alive. Oh, he'll be stitched back together. Which y'all was spoiling ass. No, no, this is not not a spoiler. If he's a person that's already been stitched with who the fuck knows whom, he will be stitched back together. I, everyone else, all the those other cops, I have no idea how they're gonna explain any of that shit because all these dead white cops in front of the only house on the block that has black people in it. Like, I don't know how you clean this shit up. Um, but yeah, uh, they will somehow clean that up and they'll, well, they will, all you know, the, all stitch one, up Lancaster. Got tossed into the neighbor's yard. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But that did happen. That Shargath was huge. It was so cool. It was going to live in the basement now. Like yes. <laughs> yes. I beat all the all the nasty white people to him. I I was I was like yes, much like Vanetta and probably Priscilla and probably Derek when we were watching. I was like yes. All Yes, and then I loved uh, and this is props to Misha Green for directing it. The, the The way that the camera focused specifically on Tick and Letty. And their reaction to it. We didn't really cut too much to the action. It was more from their POV, which mm. I thought was brilliant because, it, in essence, they're the focus of it because they're surprised that this even happened. And uh, yeah, all of it. I loved when um, I don't know what he did, but like they got sprayed with the blood. <laughs> And I just thought that was kind of cool looking. Um, it was just, yeah, it was everything we could have asked for. Once again, as Derek said, and and as I sort of hinted at in my initial reaction, this was an incredibly suspenseful episode. Like I was on the edge of my seat based off of just the action on the screen. And that sort of final, I don't know how long it was, maybe two minute section when the Shoggoth was just wreaking havoc on all the cops, it was like the the relief and the release that I needed from being on the edge of my seat throughout the entire episode. I'll give you that. I will give you that. Now, here's my here's my theory. Bear with me. This is not the first time we've seen this particular Shoggoth. Explain. So, you know how nothing gets wasted in this show? Like, every frame of it is important. We never got an answer to the Shagath that was born from the cow in season, in episode two, Whitey on the Moon. Mm-hmm. So I had to go back, and I took my red yarn with me. Oh. Because, you know, I got a whole wall up of red yarn and pictures and shit. <laughs> I love it. They love you at uh, Kinko's. Um, and the Shoggoth that Christina helped deliver from the cow. Now, it's hard for me to say for sure because the scene was shot at night and it was dark. But under all of that afterbirth, that Shoggoth looked very black to me. Okay, because they, yeah, I did notice that in the internet, 
people were like, that's a darker Shoggoth than yeah. the other ones. Some people were saying, I hope, I don't know. I, this is just nuts. Some people I've were. I've heard it, I'm sure. Whatever you're about to say, I'm sure I've heard it. Some people thought it was Montrose. People thought it was Montrose or Hippolyta. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Not <laughs> Hippolyta. Some people can't TV well. That woman no. has been through enough. <laughs> like, she does not do. She was dance. How do you go from dancing with Josephine Baker to being a Shagath? Now, Montrose was across town with Dean, so it couldn't have been him. Yeah. But yeah, that's my, my suspicion is that this is the Shagath that Christina birthed out of the cow. That's interesting, because that means she's got a long game, then. Well, she, you know, but I've been saying she's got a long the whole entire time. I've been like, you know, she got her plan. She got plans within plan. Now, do we think, because it's something we didn't really touch on, do we think her plans are what Tick thinks her plans are? I don't think that Tick is very good at chess. I think that she is excellent at chess. Three-dimensional chess. Klingon Absolutely. Chess. She, yeah, because I was going to say Klingon chess because she is, she is, she, like you said, she has plans upon plans. And I, I think Tick is still thinking way too small. Yeah. He's, he's, he's playing checkers. And, and he's incredibly reactionary. And that's so problematic to me. Yeah, I um I don't think we actually know what her I I know we've heard what she has said to people. I don't think we actually know what her whole plan is. I think that again, that is something she keeps between her and William. <laughs> yeah. All right, and now for the star of the week, the story of D. Um props to the opening at the funeral. Um I opened with the lyrics from Cruel Summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and, I, and, and, I, and again, I think about you all while I'm watching this. So, Priscilla. Yes. Do you know who Banana Rama is? I like, how much does I like, Cruel oh. Summer bother It didn't bother me. I liked the opening. <laughs> That's funny. You know what they should have done with it? I wish that they would have gone... Like, how they do it on, like, trailers. I wish that they would have slowed it down they a little bit. It yeah, it was a little... It didn't bug me, um, but it was a little too peppy for the... Because, like, in essence, we're seeing our characters wait for... Uh, wait to go into the viewing, the public viewing of Emmett Teal's, uh, uh, you know, um, a mutilated body. Um, so it, it, for me, it was just a tiny bit peppy for it. Had they slowed it down, kind of like how they did, I got five on it um, for the um, Us trailer or Say My Name for the Candyman trailer, I, I think it might have been a little bit more um, haunting and uh, given it a little bit more of a horror vibe versus it's a cruel, do, 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 cruel, you know? I think because this was not a quote-unquote horror part of the episode, I think this was more of, of, of description. They've done very good with, again, the music telling a story in itself. And if you, you know, go back and pay attention to the lyrics, the lyrics just work very well 
for what's happening at this time. I don't deny that. So, yeah, I don't know that I would have slowed it down. But we're at the funeral, um, and this is something that will probably back me up. This is something that adults tend to do. We talk about the children to protect the children without actually paying attention to the children. Oh, my God. So bothers me so much the entire thing. You, This girl doesn't have her mama, and y'all so self-absorbed, y'all lost her. You knew she was in danger, and you lost her. Mm. And then when she did find you, you dismissed her. Oh, my God, I was so pissed. I was so pissed. Oh my gosh, I was I was so angry. I just wanted to choke every last one of them 20-somethings. Just line them up and slap them all one big slap. And then Here's I do have a I have a question for you. Because he's 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 the elder and he's fucking up. Well, no, I have a question. This is a follow-up question for Vanetta Berry. Okay. Did they dismiss her, or was that a part yeah. of the spell? Where the spell is, she can't. She the spell is, she can't tell um, anyone about her interaction with Lancaster. So are the spell they? Hasn't been cast yet. No. Remember well, no. at the very beginning, she's they're still in line. The spell. Hasn't no, no, no. Been no cast that hasn't yet. been cast. No, but they. She's talking about later on as well. And I'm assuming when you say they they still dismissed her, you're talking about Letty and Montrose in particular, right? So she has the spell has been cast on her. She, the spell is, uh, you know, she's going to see some stuff, and she also she can't tell anybody about her experience with Montrose with Montrose. Good lord, with Lancaster. With Lancaster. So. What if, because of the sm- of the spell, in essence, they're not really seeing what we're seeing that D is going through? They're not. Well, I I know that she, they're not seeing what she's seeing, but my my issue is that we need to. Everybody needs to go and look for, uh, look for D. Okay, they all pant. They all spread out, and then you know stuff starts happening in their lives. D comes to remember. They live on the south side. D comes all the way to the north side to Letty's. Well, she goes home like, first. Yeah, she went home first. But then when she when she went to the north side, she goes to Letty's, and Letty's is just like, "Look, I don't have time for it, for this right now. Right. I understand you going through something, Letty, but now is not the time to be dismissive of her. She just lost her best friend, and none of the adults were there for her. Right. That's what I was pissed off about." And if they hadn't lost her in the first freaking place, she wouldn't have been they she wouldn't have been vulnerable to Lancaster in the first place to have the spell put on her. So yes, I am very, very pissed because I feel like this is every last one of them had a hand in what happened to Dee. I agree with the first part. I, I don't think they should I mean, they shouldn't have lost her. The stuff afterwards for me gets a little murky because I wonder if some of that is part of the spell. Not for me, because even though you can't see what she's seeing. You can see she's in distress. No, what if you can't see that? That's, that's what I wonder. I wonder if they can't see that. You can see she's in distress because because Letitia asked her outside the house, are you okay? 
Then she tells her to go in the house and get some water. She is clearly in distress about something. Magic creatures coming down the street? Yeah, you don't see that. But you see she's in distress about something. I don't know. It's I don't clear yeah. on her face. I don't know if she sees that. That's she why I'm disagreeing with you. So she clearly saw it. It's right there in the text. It's right there in the scene. She actively comments on it. But she's trying to get to the church to handle her business. We're just going to disagree. I let you say what you said. I disagree with it. Okay. I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. You don't have to agree with it. I know I'm right because it is on the TV screen. I don't know. I do wonder. I don't know. I just, I feel like part of the spell is that they can't, they don't really fully see what she is going through. Because I feel like the normal reaction is to try to help her. And they were, both Montrose and Letty were very dismissive of her, much like what Veneta was saying. and and, And that is the point that Priscilla is making, that all the adults were so involved in their own thing that they left her vulnerable. No, I agree with that. But I don't think... I don't know if they really fully saw how she was reacting to it. Because, like, go get a glass of water, and she's looking horrified. Like, that's not the right response for it. So that's why I don't agree. I think there's something more to do with that. And I think it has to do with the theme that they were going for with the whole horror schematic theme. And I think this was talked about in the podcast that they go... For Lovecraft County, that they were going for um, how black girls are ignored or mm-hmm. their problems are looked down upon in society and therefore like it turns into this spiral of just like them going to hell and the community like ignoring them or not paying attention to them. So in an essence, like you kind of both are right. Yeah, that's what, I think that's what hurt me. That's what got me the most about this episode. And the creepy things following her, that's, that was really, uh, but the fact that they just kept not listening to her, I was, that bothered me so much. Yeah. Um, did anybody think that, the, I mean, don't get me wrong, that scene in the alley was, horrific as is but Uh, did anybody else think that scene was going to go in a completely different horrible direction I thought when she got scratched by the white um by Bopsy I think Mm -hmm. I thought that was gonna lead to more consequences I thought that she was gonna like slow down and that the the sickness was gonna take her earlier in the show and instead of later on when she got held back and got scratched at the end of the show. Wait, I'm confused. Were you asking about the Topsy thing, or were you asking about Lancaster? I was asking about Lancaster. Oh, okay. uh, No, well, I didn't, uh, because I knew that Dee had a whole story. But but it was, I mean, the way that they did it was... uh, I'm not talking about killing her. Well, I don't know. Oh, well, I don't know. Uh, I didn't read whatever you were reading about it. But uh, I, I did think, um, I mean, it, it was it was horrible. Uh, just, yeah, it was horrific. Vanetta, you know of which I speak. I thought that they were going to either be um, physically violent to her 
or um, beat her or um, kill her. I was not expecting them to put a spell on her. And um, the way that the spell manifested, I was not prepared for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I was Um, Because it started with the cream of wheat man who has always bothered me. Yeah. And so... Like now, I, cream of wheat is one of my favorite foods. I've oh, no. eat cream of wheat for a while. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'm sorry, Priscilla, were you going to say something? Oh, no. I was just thinking oh. to myself, like at, at that time when they were going to cast a spell that went as soon as the guy got brought up the chalk and just like went down and put a little star, I was like, oh, shit. He's going to yeah. cast a spell. I knew it. I knew he was going to do something fucked up to this little girl. Yeah, I wasn't sure it wasn't gonna go sexual, which was my my thing. Oh yeah. no, I, I I didn't think it was gonna go sexual, but just because Lancaster doesn't doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's into sex. It seems like he's into power, and and he's into brute force, but he's not into rape or like violation in that sense. I think he I think he sees like black people as like lesser than people. He sees them as what Topsy and Bopsy are. Okay. Um, so he puts the spell on her, and then she heads for home, where she runs into Montrose. Um, I do know that there was a there was a scene that they thought about doing earlier that they never actually put in the script um, about Dee being on the trip with when they were all on the trip on the way to Boston and they stopped somewhere and I forget what it was. They, I forget the way they were going to set it up, but Dee was going to get a Coke or something involving a white person and Montrose was going to slap her mm-hmm. for putting them all in danger unknowingly. But they just couldn't find a place in the script for that. Um, no I think way. He was going to slap her? Oh, Lord. I would yeah. hate Montrose even more. Again, I don't remember the full setup, but it was something that um, I have a friend who tells a story about her mother when um, her mother got sent down south for the summer one year. And because she wasn't from the south, she didn't know the rules. And so they were going, they they were taking the, the my friend's mother with them from door to door and at some point my friend's mother asked some white woman for some water and when she got home that night they beat her ass because you know you asking that white woman for shit you're putting all of us in danger so that's a real that's a real thing and given how Montrose parents I can completely understand that reaction he would have, um, which goes to this week. Again, Dee comes in the house. She's been missing. And instead of, to, to um, Vanetta's point, instead of checking on her, making sure she's okay, your first response is one of anger. And when she meets you, anger for anger, because now she has some information that you don't know she has because ain't none of y'all told her the truth. 
So she has lost her father. Her mother is missing. And at this point, she knows her mother is missing. And she just lost her best friend. Talk about isolation and, um, like, repeating patterns of trauma. It just, it bothered me so much. I think maybe it's because I have, you know, people who depend on me like that, you know, children and shit. It just bothered me so much. Um, I've seen parents treat their kids like that when I was working at the school. It just, it, we have to do better. We have to like pay attention to our kids, especially when they are hurting. So all those, all these grown folks specifically were so disturbed about Bobo dying in the way that he did. And yet so consumed that y'all lost her berated her, dismissed her, showed her anger, and she was going through, and you don't even know what she's going through. You didn't even ask. Are you okay is not sufficient. And that's where that's where I just got so bothered, so bothered. Well, we know who Vanetta won't be picking this week for any of her You don't know. You don't know me, Derek. And- <laughs> And then she walks to the north side because the because the L shut down. Mm-hmm. And um, and I actually and it's good. I actually have kind of an idea of where everybody is right now, of where everybody lives. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was the Quincy we, stop, right? That's the that Quincy one at the downtown one. Yep. Well, I was looking at that too. I was like, oh, thank you. Finally, somewhere I can place it. I also looked up the house that uh, um, that Emmett Till lived in, mm-hmm. and it's on St. Lawrence. Okay, it's in okay. The, yeah, it's in the sixties on St. Lawrence. So that tells me where our group kind of is. And I still don't know where Letty is on the north side, but yeah, Dee had to walk all the way there, and then she finds Woody with all her mom's stuff in it. And I had people, and I saw people ask me, was that part of the spell? No, they had Woody. Um, I I think that they, that when Tick found Hippolyta and, you know, the portal closed, he took Woody back to Chicago. Uh Right. I think you're right. I think you're right. So um, then she decides to, then he decides to follow the cops. And she has a interaction with Lancaster. Which was bold as fuck. I was so proud I of her. Was, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. Priscilla, what did you think? When she refused to to give him the the, the Ori. The Ori. I I was a part of me was just kind of like, damn it. The Ori's useless right now. You could have given it to him and it would have like saved your life. No. He wasn't going to take that spell off of her. <sighs> also, it doesn't have the key. The key's the most important part, I think. He doesn't know now. how to he doesn't know how to open it yet. He doesn't know what to do. All he wants is the Ori. So, if she gave it to him, like all he all he he would have taken the spell off. Mm-mm. No. You weren't you don't think he would have taken the spell off? Mm-mm. He would not. Oh. No. Damn it. She's a dick. <sighs> and so she, you know, and here's the thing. Once you decide to face, literally, literally face your demon, 
you kind of not scared of the police no more. Exactly. Because she spit on him. I was like, okay. It fucking stinks in here. Damn. And I had no problem with her language at all. I did not either. Because there was probably a dead corpse in his closet again, like it always is. Well, that, and also she called him a fucking pig. Or he he probably smells, because he probably has another, he probably needs another corpse to replace his body again. And then she decides, okay, so I'll face the police, now I'm gonna face these demons. Yes. facing her demons. She is. Okay. Um, I have have a bunch of things to say. First off, the narration. Like, we've talked about the narration, you know, because they use quotes and stuff. And and we've talked about it uh, pretty much every week. And for the most part, we like it. This week, for some reason, it kind of took me out a little bit. Even though I love the speech, and I remember watching the speech live on TV. It's for the March for Our Lives. And I remember the little, the little girl. And the words were right. I think for me it was the clapping that just for some reason it took me out of it. Um, yeah, I don't know if they could have. I, I don't know. I don't know if y'all like the clapping. I, I don't know if they could have even cleaned it out because it was a live type of thing. So it's not like they would have the separate audio of her reading the speech. But for me, it, it the clapping just sort of took me out of it a little bit. Um, as far as Topsy and Eva, because we haven't really talked about them. Visually, I thought they were impressive as horror creations. As a horror fan myself, I didn't find them scary, but I, I understand where Vanetta's coming from, and I've read a lot of comments that people were freaked out by them. Uh, so so it hit the right notes uh, for, for some people. It didn't hit them for me. I, I wish that they would have brought for me a little bit more of the creep factor. Um, the dancing, a lot of people like the dancing. I, I don't know. It, the dancing kind of took me out of them being scary, uh, a little bit, uh, cause it seemed almost, I don't know. I don't even know what the right words would be. It, it just, it didn't, it was minstrel-esque, but it just, it, it was, <laughs> it wasn't, um, I was going to say comical cause it wasn't, it didn't seem scary to me. Like they just didn't seem scary to me. The only time that they got me with a jump scare was when she went to go look at the car and then she popped up. Um, that was a good jump scare props to them for, for fitting that in. But I didn't find them outside of just knowing the history of where the characters come from and, um, seeing them put like a horror tinge on them. Um, as a horror fan, I didn't really find them creepy, creepy. Although I will, once again, give them props on the, um, the makeup and, and even, uh, you know, some of the movements that they gave them to, to make them look threatening and scary. Um, as the horror fan though, it just, it, it they didn't creep me out is what I'm trying All to say. All I know is from the time they came up the stairs at the L platform, I was done with Topsy and Bob. Okay. When she did that back roll, flip, whatever, and started looking at D and smiling at her upside down. Oh, I loved the. I actually loved that moment when she flipped her back. Yeah, I was like, that was good. I was like, oh no, somebody, something needs to get pushed on the L tracks. That's hilarious. I was scared for her though when she bumped into that white man, and I was. Yeah, I was like, you know, forget fucking Topsy and Eva. Like, I'm scared of what this white man's gonna do. So I, I was... They're scary in the way that 
Mm-hmm. Chucky and Annabelle are scary in the way that, like, it's not really scary, but it's scary in that, like, oh, they're they're little freaky dolls. Get get them away from me. They're they're fucking creepy. Like, th- they're scary in that way. I guess I'll give it to you. But uh, in the book, talking about the book, uh, so it's fascinating how because like changing genders from Horace to Diana, uh, you know, it gives that added layer that we've been talking about throughout the podcast about, you know, it's a, it's a little black girl and, you know, the, you know, just the, the trope of black girls not being listened to by adults and that sort of thing. So there are many layers added to the story. The fact that they changed the genders of the character, like they have for like per se, Christina and, uh, and her quest for power, you know, as a woman in the 1950s. So that was interesting. But, um, in, in the book, uh, it's like inanimate objects are are what Horace sees come to life. And also his uh, comic book characters came to life as well. So we didn't get that in the show because they, they focused on uh, on uh, Topsy and Eva. But it's just it's interesting how they interpreted, you know, something from the text to the screen. And I think it does work better especially given Misha Green's sort of reasoning as to why she focused on Topsy and Diva. Well, for me, um, that focus, her focusing on those two characters, uh, on those, on that depiction um, was incredibly disturbing. It was disturbing before I knew that that's what was going to happen. It was disturbing just to see the book on the shelf. I can't tell you how many times I don't wear red lipstick because I don't want to be in any way associated with a jigaboo type of character. Um, As a dark-skinned Black woman, there is fear about wearing red lipstick. Think Think about how many women wear red lipstick every day. And then think about if you consider buying red lipstick and you thought, oh, I don't want people to think a stereotypic thing about me. Or I don't want to eat watermelon in public because I don't want people to think this stereotypic thing about me. I, when, I, when I locked my hair and I was going through the stage where your hair, is, it, it sticks up. Um, many people don't like locking their hair because of that stage because they don't want that stereotypic thing. So there are all these embedded Oh, there's so much embedded in that imagery that I can understand other people not being like going, ah, well, it wasn't really that scary. It's not really, well, for me, all of that is wrapped up in that, these characters that she created that were really um, moving weird and following her and chasing her. And then the song that's playing, all of that is just, it's layered in such a way that, I struggled so much. And again, this is another thing that it's the struggle is not just what I'm seeing on screen. It's the history behind what I'm seeing. It, I, I, I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but. Um, it hits you on a very was, core level because you are a black woman and this are, these are things that you've had to deal with. Absolutely. So how about that last stand in the uh, in the garage? 
I'm a little upset that um I'm a little upset that that, that they didn't stay down because she was clearly giving it on her all. When Topsy like kinda like laughed and came in through the back alley of the the room, I was just kind of like, Oh, that's it. This little girl's gonna get screwed over. There's two to one. Well no, that was Eva. Eva follows Topsy. No, because Eva was the one that was getting screwed over at the very beginning. She was, she was the the white one was the one that was getting hit at the very beginning, at the very, and it was Topsy the one that was laughing that was that was about to get in. Oh, okay, I have to rewatch that because usually the, the I mean the the stereotype is that Topsy Eva follows Topsy around and Topsy is the one that causes the mischief. In this, in this case, it, Topsy was the one that was like, ah, ha, ha, and she was about to get in again. Speaking of, um, so Montrose comes in and uh, D is swinging. Mm. Now, Jeffrey, do you think that he recognizes she's upset about something? No, because he fucked up. He, if he had recognized, he would have let her keep swinging. It's fucking Matros's fault. Again, that she's I'm not saying that he saw what she was swinging at. No, I know. Yeah, I understand why he did. I understand why he did what he did. I never understand that action in people, but I understand why he did what he did. I don't understand grabbing people when, they, like, when they're in the middle of a fight or something. I don't understand grabbing people when people are in flight, in fight or fl- fight. Or flight scenario. I don't get putting your hands on them. Yeah. I don't either. But Mantra. So mad. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys watch the Winona Earp show. There was an episode where um, Winona's being attacked by these this demon that only she can see, and you know what's his name? He comes there and he's like. Um, What's going on? She's like, don't you see him? He's, you know, he's about to get, you know, uh, he's about to get me. And he says, I don't see him, but point me in that direction and I will kill this son of a bitch. Right. That's you want hearing, that. seeing, paying attention to like, I don't know what you're doing, but I need to help you whatever you need right now. And instead what he did, which is again, he, he just keeps on doing he keeps on repeating this pattern of, I'm not with you, so therefore you must be wrong. There must be something wrong. And like grabbing her in that way. And then you see this, her arm being ripped to shreds and you just still sit there and hug her. I'm sorry, you need to have hugged her earlier. You need to have hugged her when she was at the freaking funeral. You need to have hugged her when she came into the house earlier instead of yelling at her. Now is not the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the one time Montrose really wants to be nurturing is like the wrong time for but Montrose. That, but but the problem is he doesn't know how. Yeah, there's that too. We, we got a whole Montrose history tonight, you know, about, again, why he thinks the way he thinks. Yes, but it doesn't mean that he did not let that girl down. Oh, absolutely. I blame him. I blame him. He's the most blame for what happens to her. 
for her succumbing to whatever the fuck. Because it looks like her, her veins were turning black. So they've infected her with whatever is in their, you know, the long-ass nails. Um, but I blame Montrose. Like, just, he didn't even ask or anything what was going on. He just goes and hugs her. Or tries to, like, um, calm her down by embracing her. And I'm like, that was just not what was needed at that time especially because it all right she's beating what you what you think of is just air but she's definitely um emotional about it let her get it out you let tit get it out on you so like mm. obviously you know how it just oh my he god he was scared he was gonna get hit by the bat that's what it was or it wasn't even and a bat what was it it was it so was not bats. a bat but it was a, it was like a pipe but it but it was being used as a baseball bat which goes to so many bats. what Derek was saying. But but you know, like what other said, she but she she wasn't hitting anybody he could see. So let her swing that out until she wear until she you know until she wears herself out. Yep. Or start hitting too. I will or join that. you in your delusion, man. Um, my kids have delusions, and you know they get all scared about something. I join them in it. Oh, that's awful. Yes, you know, let me help you. How can I help? Vanetta, as an artist, can you draw that fast? Um, yeah, that's a, that was nothing but adrenaline. Oh, by the way, my friend who does the artwork for it posted those pictures. I, I had to get off her page. All right, anything else before we head on into the home stretch? Fucking Montrose. Just that my favorite top scene, Bobsy scene, was when she's, when... Um, Diana's looking over at the police station and the nail in the back is just getting closer and closer to touching her in the back and then she just drives off on the bike like nothing and I'm just like oh my god that almost touched you what the hell is wrong with you just drive off oh I love that scene that was great horror in the D alright if no one else, we will head into our MVP. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once the character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. My randomizer tells me that this week, Vanetta of the Berries goes first. Vanetta, who are you picking for your MVP? I'm going to pick Montre. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been the best uh, fake out ever had you been shitting on him the whole thing and then picking him. <laughs> no, um, I'm going to have to say D. Um, she she rocked it. She she had a lot of what is called big girl stuff on her this week. Mm-hmm. And she had to grow up literally in, in a day. Um and how I love how mature she was in handling the fact that all of the adults around her were just being fuck ups. All right. And she got in some swings at the end, so that was she good. Sure too. did. I was not mad. All right, Priscilla is next. Priscilla, who is your MVP? My MVP is Ruby, just because that that essay, that speech that she gave to. Christina just left me with my jaw on the floor. I was like, wow, that is some powerful 
speech. Like, usually I don't like you and Christina together, but this time around, like, it led to to some poignant moments, and that sex scene was something different. I Like, exactly like... Jeffrey said, "I I never expected to see a sex scene that that left me like as twisted and as weirded out as True Blood, but apparently HBO could top that with this show. So good on you, HBO!" All right, Jeffrey, who is your MVP for the week? I'm giving it to Tick, and in particular, I'm giving it to Jonathan Majors because I thought he did a really good job throughout the episode. Uh, as much as I don't like Montrose, I really did like uh, Tick's scene with Montrose. It, it was a scene that was needed, and it was acted beautifully by Jonathan Majors. Uh, you know, Tick is such a difficult character to love. Uh, there are some people on the internet that just, they, they love them, Somaticus, and, and he can do no wrong. I kind of look at them with a little bit of a squint because I feel like Tick does a lot wrong, especially how he reacts, as Vanetta said, and, and as Derek, as I think we've all said, he is very reactionary, He uh, and his reactions are very extreme. There's a moment where he's talking with Montrose, and he's sitting down, and Jonathan Majors throws in like a little child, almost like temper tantrum thing. Did y'all notice that? Yes, I noticed every temper tantrum. Okay, and I was like, man, Jonathan Majors is acting the fuck out of this. And I'm like, man, that was still so childish because Atticus does not know how to uh, properly convey his emotions. But it was brilliant because it is within the character. And watching him, you know, with all of the various interactions, with his interactions with Christina his interactions uh, with Letty and Gia, and then at the end, you know, with the the masterpiece that it was, the Shoggoth reveal. Uh, I just really enjoyed Tick this episode. I might not always agree with everything Tick does, but Jonathan Majors plays him very well. I will say, and I've said this before, I think the, and, and, and Bonetta has said the same thing, I think people get caught up on the whole American style of television where you're either a good guy or a bad guy. And it has just become very clear to me, Tick is not the hero of this show. No, he's not. It's the he Shogun. not the hero of, of our story. And, you know, once you kind of recognize that, you don't get upset with him anymore because he's just being who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so my MVP for the week did not appear on screen. He was working behind the scenes, and it was Raphael Sadiq. Oh, yeah. Because, again, the music you picked told a story in itself, and thank you for that. I absolutely loved it. All right. Time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 keys? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptionally deserving of more than 10, you may grant it the coveted golden key. Let us go in reverse order. So Jeffrey is first. Jeffrey, should we just pull out another golden key for you now? I'm going to wait for you to say No. I'm going to give it a 10, though. Um, If I could give it a 10 and a half, I could. 
Uh, I didn't, yeah. I mean, it was a very solid hour of, of television. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought uh, it was one of the most suspenseful hours of TV that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but yeah, when I saw it afterwards, I thought 10. I, the golden did not immediately pop into my head, so I will go with the 10. And that means Priscilla is next. Priscilla, how many keys are you handing out this week? Um, I think I'm giving it a 9. I thought it was okay, but... um. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was all that special. I felt like there there was something missing from it. Okay. Um, Vanetta, the last time this show bothered you, you brought it down to an eight. <laughs> oh, Lord, he's going through the records. <laughs> I like to keep my records. I like to know where people are. Um, um... How many keys will you be removing? from the key ring this time only one it still bothered me a great deal um i can now look at episode three again um given some distance and some time away from everything and and to you know i've been able to think my way through it so perhaps the same will happen with this one um as time goes on but at this moment yeah, I, I give it a nine. Okay. I, I did enjoy it's weird. I enjoyed these scenes so much and yet they creeped me out so much. They bothered me so much. Um I found so many like so many all the things that I found problematic were not in the storytelling though. And and it was just in the creep factor. Well, I fluctuated. Um but I believe that I'm going to, that this was just a great hour of writing, of realism. And again, that's one of the things I love about this show is that you can take the magic elements away and this is still just a dope-ass interesting story about some dope interesting people. Um, so I'm going to give it 10 keys. Uh. There was a moment I thought the Shoggoth was going to pop out. I thought you were going to, you know. But you didn't. What? Take something off? Because, oh, go golden? Yeah. You know, I'm very simple. Two episodes left. I may give out one more. Okay. And, you know, just an FYI, they got pills that you can take when you fluctuate. I I know. Okay. They work on all different parts of my magic. (laughs) And with that. As we end this week's journey into Lovecraft Country, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thanks, announcer.
All right, my co-hosts, please wish our listeners a good night, starting with Priscilla. Good night, listeners. Keep your showgirls close. Vanetta. I need one of them showgirls to, you know, be protecting because this November election might be kind of crazy. Ah! Have me a showgirl. Good night, Ooh, Jeffrey. Uh, yeah, I posted on Facebook, too. I was like, I need a showgirl in my life. I feel like we all could use one, you know, especially one that's got that, um, that, that, the tail, that, whoosh, you know, the piercing tail. Good night, listeners. Some whip action. Yes. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Greetings from Lovecraft Country every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. This is Derek Anthony wishing you a good night.